afternoon, Steelers Nation Radio, and welcome inside once again. Heinz Field, the home of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes with you here until 4 o'clock. Motesy, doing some fan experience stuff to the side of me, so you got me here to start you, but don't worry, Arthur Motes will be joining us momentarily. If you want to join in on the conversation, you, know, you can get at us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Dabody52. We will get to your tweets, as always, as we roll along here on an overcast day down on the North Shore. Final couple days of practice, Thursday being the last day. That means tomorrow will be the penultimate day of training camp, and then the Steelers will have their last practice Thursday morning, all in preparation for, of course, the first home preseason game against those Detroit Lions right here at Heinz Field on Saturday. Folks, I was thinking about this in the in the last 24, 48 hours as the Joe Schobert deal has become official and his we saw him get his first practice with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well too. It seems like every Steelers training camp, and, and, and honestly every NFL team, their training camp has overarching themes, you know, big talking points, big questions when camp opens. Coming into this season, we talked a bunch about the Steelers' offensive line. That was the question. That was the talking point. The offensive line, their ability to protect Ben Roethlisberger, their ability to not finish dead last in, in rushing attack in the National Football League this season like they did last year. All of this relating to the offensive line. Can they be improved from last year? That felt like the big question, the, the massive X factor as it relates to this Steelers' season, right? It all affects the need to be able to run the ball more successfully, um, you know, particularly after spending a first-round pick on Najee Harris. We feel good about him. We feel good about the wide receiver group. We still think Ben can get it done. But the offensive line is the big question, the big X factor in that equation. That's what was kind of the major theme of the offseason and the preseason. And, yeah, there were other things in there that we discussed for the Steelers. We obviously talked about Ben Roethlisberger and at age 39 and how it felt like he wasn't quite the same down the stretch last season. And can he have enough in the tank for the Steelers to, to not – you know, lose four of their last five games like they did last year and, and in some ways fall off a cliff. Not that that was just on Ben. Obviously, some of that related to the defense. They were decimated with injuries down the stretch. And now all of a sudden, okay, Bud Dupree's gone. Steven Nelson's gone. Mike Hilton's gone. That was a talking point as well, too. We still feel really good about the the pillars of this defense, right? The Haywards and the Tuits and the Watts and the Minka Fitzpatricks and the Joe Haydens. You, you know the name. But that maybe there were some depth concerns there as well too all of these were things that we discussed coming into camp all these things have also evolved during camp as well you know new storylines emerge based on what happens in practice based on what happens in the preseason games and, and even elsewhere right like with contract situations like we've seen with tj watt with rumors of potential trade requests like we've seen with james washington those two stories kind of dominated conversation around camp last week it feels like over the last few days we've had a new storyline emerge to me. A, a new theme from Dan here at Heinz Field for training camp 2021. And that is competition. Now, competition is, is always a part of any NFL training camp. It's a part of any sports training camp. Duh, Wes. They don't come here to not compete. There's more guys that are here to compete and fight for their roster spot, fight for their career than guys who already have their starting job locked in. But I mean there's particularly competition now in areas that we did not expect when we came into camp a few weeks ago. Two positions in particular that I did not 
really expect there to be much competition for a starting role. Left tackle and starting linebacker, middle linebacker, off-ball linebacker. Both for different reasons. Let's start with left tackle, right? Coming into camp, it felt like Chooks had that spot locked down. He was the only regular starter that was returning from the Steelers' O-line last year, albeit switching sides, right? Going from right tackle to left tackle is significant. That's not nothing, no doubt. But he was the only regular starter returning from this year to last year. We all felt like left tackle was Chooks's, right? That that was his role. Right side was going to go to Zach Banner. And that more of the position battles would occur on the interior of the offensive line. And that felt like the case even through the first week of camp, honestly. But over the last two weeks, there's been big-time improvement from rookie offensive tackle Dan Moore Jr., the Steelers' fourth-round pick out of Texas A&M. He struggled to start camp. You heard Motes and I talk about it. We've discussed it with our buddy Chris Carter, our colleague as well, too. He was pitted head-to-head -head with Alex Highsmith and with Melvin Ingram at the start of camp, and he struggled. It was noticeable. He looked like a fourth-round rookie out there against two guys that, that belong in the National Football League. But ever since that first week, ever since that first preseason game two against the Cowboys, that young man has responded in a big way. He's looking much improved in every single practice. He's looked like a completely different player on Thursday night against the Eagles than the guy we saw in the Hall of Fame game against Dallas. Night and day improvement for this young man. And, and while all this has transpired, Chooks has been dealing with an injury. Now he's back. He's going to be a full participant. That might close the door a little bit for Mr. Moore. But with Chooks dealing with that injury, there's been more reps for Dan Moore Jr., more opportunity for Dan Moore Jr., and he has seized it. And on Sunday, offensive line coach Adrian Clem was singing Dan Moore's praises in camp, and coaches don't often do that this time of year with mid-round rookies. It's one thing to hear a coach praise Najee Harris. Right, But even Pat Fryermuth with some of the good stuff he's done out here, when the coaches are asked about him, when Tomlin's asked about Pat Fryermuth, what's he say? Can he block? You know, you're, you're, you're trying to keep expectations low for these guys. You're trying to, to, to not overhype them. And at the same time, they, you don't want them feeling too good about themselves. You want them to still feel like they have to sing for their supper. You don't hear coaches talk about rookies, again, particularly mid-round rookies, like the way Adrian Clem was singing Dan Moore's praises over the weekend. Now, I still believe, health considered, because like I said, Chooks is back, that he will be the starting left tackle against the Bills week one up in Buffalo. But Dan Moore Jr. isn't going away anytime soon, and that's a good thing, because competition is always a good thing. The other position group where, you know, where a, a, an unexpected battle for who's going to be the guy, for who's going to have the starting role, has now broken out, is it linebacker, middle linebacker. You know, particularly after the surprise retirement of Vince Williams right before training camp started, I felt like that group belonged to Devin Bush. He was the pedigree guy, right? Top 10 pick in 2019, the Steelers' first top 10 pick on defense since the 80s when they took Rod Woodson. He's the one we expected to play a pivotal role in the middle of the defense this year. And, right, and, you, and we all know the Tomlinism of if you're slow in the middle of your defense, you've got a slow defense. We all expected that room to belong to Devin Bush and for him to take the reins and to really step up now entering his third season in the National Football League. But now here comes Joe Schobert, and it already appears that he's got the leg up on being the guy who doesn't leave the field in the middle of that defense over Devin Bush. And if you take his word for it, from what we heard from him on Sunday, it seems like the Steelers plan on Schobert being the guy who doesn't leave the field.
He said, and I quote, they have me learning dime linebacker and Mac backer in personnel, getting that stuff underway. Once the season starts, getting the green dot on the helmet, getting calls from the coaches, that was the plan, end quote. And, folks, for those of you who aren't picking up what I'm putting down here, the green dot guy is the one guy who has the microphone in his helmet and can hear and can communicate with the sideline. Only one person on your defense is allowed to be the green dot guy. That guy rarely leaves the field. Because, again, if he does, if he leaves the field due to injury, if he leaves the field just to get a breather for a play or two, your only way to communicate from the sideline to the huddle is by using hand signals. Ah, you know, remember those antiquated hand signals? Now we got microphones in the helmets. When you hear Joe Schobert saying that he's planning on, that, you know, they have him planned to be the green dot guy, getting the calls from the coaches, that was the plan. That's the quote from Joe Schobert. That means he ain't going to be leaving the field very much. Which, again, if you could put two and two together, if you could do the math with me here and see how this all correlates, that means on third downs, Devin Bush is going to be the guy who's, who's coming off the field. And Joe Schobert is the one staying on the field. Bush was the green dot guy last season before he tore his ACL. But already in practice number one for the new guy, he's assuming those duties. And I, 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 I want to make no mistake here. This is a good thing for Devin Bush, all right? You don't want anyone to hand you the keys to the kingdom in, in the NFL, in any sport, without making them work for it. I mean, not, not just in the NFL or any sport, in any walk of life, right? Like, I didn't just, I didn't just walk into iHeartRadio one day and, and got this show with Arthur Motes and got this show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I had to work for it. If you've had any semblance of success and advancement in your career, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're an accountant or a doctor or if you work in manual labor. You've had to earn it. That, that's a good thing in every facet of life. I don't care if you're a top 10 pick like Devin Bush was or you're an undrafted free agent. Nothing should be handed to anyone at this level, particularly as well to a guy who is coming off of a major knee injury. So I think it's good that Devin Bush has to sing for his supper here a little bit. We've all been there. And quite often, that's when you find your best. That's when you get, you know, you can kind of dig deep down find what you're really made of, and put on your best performance. So grab your hard hat, grab your lunch pail, you know, to use a couple yins or cliches, and let's see you go to work and fight for it, Devin Bush. Competition is always a good thing. It's the classic, you know, I can hear Tunch and Wolf talking about it now, iron sharpens iron. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. And the Steelers now have it in two areas that I did not expect coming into camp. And it's certainly something that I'm going to keep an eye on as we roll along here this week into the third preseason game and going forward before the regular season starts. It is the Steelers Blitz here on SNR. Wesley Euler rocking and rolling with you. We will be joined by Arthur Motes momentarily. You know where to get at us on Twitter if you want to join in on the conversation. When we come back here, these aren't my grandpa's Steelers, and that's a good thing. I'll explain on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz live at Heinz Field. Training Camp 2021 coverage ongoing on SNR. It's the Steelers Blitz live at Heinz Field. We'll be joined momentarily by the body himself, Arthur Motes. Talking a little competition here in the first hour of the program. Steel City Champs tweets us and says, the competition for the green dot, that is part of the standard Coach Tomlin and Dr. Motes talk about all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it certainly is. You know, Moats made a good point about this um, a few days ago that he was interested to see what they had carved out for Joe Schobert's role initially because while he's a little bit higher of a pedigree, you know, the Steelers did acquire, and, and while this is also training camp as well too, the Steelers did acquire 
um, a linebacker, a middle linebacker in season last year, of course, being Avery Williamson. Um, he was another guy who had recently signed a nice contract extension with his club, just like Joe Schobert had with the Jaguars. He was a guy that had some pedigree, but when he first got to Pittsburgh, he was running with the twos. Joe Schobert got here first day. He's running with the ones. That, I think, again, you can start to connect some dots with some of these things about how they feel about this guy, what the expectations are, and, and just how much they believe in his ability. So there are three new guys with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And I, there's obviously more than three, but I mean three new guys that have come from outside the organization that were already established NFL players, right? I'm not talking rookies or undrafted free agents or anything like that. I'm talking three new guys who have already been established in this league. Of course, Joe Schobert, Trey Turner, and Melvin Ingram. I want to know on Twitter, who do you expect the most from? Out of those three guys, this season, who would you say you have the highest expectations for? Because I think you can make an interesting case for all three, but right off the bat right now, I, I think my answer, and we'll see if this evolves throughout the show and if Arthur Motes can, can twist my arm or change my mind, but Joe Schobert right now I think is the one that I expect the most from, and here's why. There's a reason he was a $50 million man last summer. There's a reason he signed a $50 million contract extension a year ago, and it's because his talent, it's because his pedigree, and it's because at that time he was 26. Now he's still only 27 years old. You know, Trey Turner was, was dealing with injuries and wasn't necessarily a, a very hot commodity. He was out there, right? Same with Melvin Ingram. Even for a guy as established as Melvin Ingram was, it was still – July, and he was available in free agency. Joe Schobert, he most recently signed a $50 million contract. That, to me, I, I just think speaks volumes of how this guy is perceived around the National Football League and, and his ability at that position, which is now such a tailored scale skill set, pardon me, to play middle linebacker, off-ball linebacker in the National Football League. I think you have to expect a lot from him, particularly when you see what the Steelers are putting on him already earlier in his first practice with the club. Now, who do they need the most from of those three? I think that's an obvious question, or an obvious answer. It's Trey Turner, right? The offensive line is the X factor. We have beaten this horse to death all offseason. Ever since the Browns came right here to Heinz Field and laid a Cleveland clinic on the Pittsburgh Steelers in that first playoff game, we have talked about the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line, and mentioned the run game in there as part of that equation as well. Who do they need the most from of the three new guys? It, it's Trey Turner. David DeCastro is gone. Marquise Pouncey is gone. Matt Filer is gone. Alejandro Villanueva is gone. Chooks Okorafor is working on the opposite side of the offensive line and has been dealing with injuries. To me, who they need the most from is Trey Turner. That one feels obvious. And then of those three, I would say the guy that has the potential to stand out the most, right, is Melvin Ingram. He's the one who has the potential to create the most splash that's going to show up on your TV screen, that's going to show up on the stat sheet, that might be in the highlights package on SportsCenter on Sunday nights or Monday nights or Thursday nights or whenever the team is playing. He's the multi, uh, or the multiple time, I should say, double-digit sack guy. He's the one who has, has been to multiple Pro Bowls. He's the one who, just a year or two ago, was considered one of the handful of best pass rushers in the National Football League. So that's where I come down with the three new guys. Who do I expect the most from? 
Joe Schobert. There's a reason that he's wearing the green dot and running with the ones already and that he was a $50 million man last summer. Who do they need the most from? Uh, Trey Turner. The offensive line is the big question mark, is the big X factor for the Steelers and their success this season. And then the guy that I think has the potential to stand out the most is Melvin Ingram. Like I said, he's the multiple-time double-digit sack guy. He's the one who could come off the edge and take a quarterback's head off. He's the one who can create the, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, splash. And, and, and I think you got to be excited about this because it, it just does feel different. The way the Steelers have conducted business lately, the last two-ish years and in this offseason in particular. Like, think about it, right? My whole life, I'm 30 years old, there's been minimal change. The Steelers have always built through the draft. They weren't very active with trades or in free agency. Now, there were exceptions to that. They traded up in the first round against Antonio Holmes. That worked out pretty well. James Ferrier was a free agent signing. That worked out pretty well. It wasn't that it didn't exist, but it wasn't like it has been lately. A lot more active in free agency. Going out and getting Minka Fitzpatrick, trading their first round pick, like I famously like to say, since the Beatles were still together. Ben Roethlisberger has been this team's quarterback for over half my life. There hasn't been much change around this franchise in my three decades of living in terms of how they do business. Obviously, the faces have changed, the head coach has changed, but the business has been standard. But that feels different lately. Not drastically different, just maybe same church, different pew. And it does feel like this is the most all-in the Steelers have been in my lifetime, certainly. You know, the closest they've gotten to pushing those proverbial poker chips to the center, center of the table to go all in. Th they've always been about contending and remaining relevant. The last time they weren't in contention for a playoff spot in the final week of the season was 2003. I mean, I was 12 years old then. Now I'm in my 30s. But the Steelers did go out and trade for Joe Schobert when they just as easily could have tried to fix their issues like they always do internally. It would have been easy for the Steelers to start the year with Robert Spillane alongside Devin Bush. They, they might have even resigned themselves to the possibility that Bush would struggle a little bit early in the season. It would take him time to work his way back. They might have tried to scheme a way to get Terrell Edmonds to help in this conversation. They, they could have done a litany of different things that they normally do, working this out internally. Instead, they went out, they traded for a player who is good in pass coverage, good in the run game, still only 27 years old, basically what the Steelers did was they acted like a team who was very serious about contending should when a guy like Joe Schobert becomes available for what he cost. It's exciting. I don't know how you can't be excited to be a Steelers fan right now because, again, it's not drastically different, but it just it's exciting. It puts a pep in your step. They're, they're doing business a little bit differently than they've ever done before, and that could continue because with Stephon Tewitt's restructure, eh, that wizard Kevin Colbert has even a little bit more money to work with right now. It is the Steelers Blitz live at Heinz Field. I am pleased now to be joined by my partner in crime, Arthur Motes. And so I ask you, buddy, three new guys. I mean, there's a lot of new guys out here, but three new guys <laughs> who were like, established like in the National Football League yeah. already. Schobert, Ingram, Turner. Who do you expect the most from? Expect the most from Joe. Yeah, definitely Joe, man. Um, he's the most proven of the bunch. He's the most productive of the bunch and the healthiest of the bunch, man. So I would definitely go with Joe to start it off. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, there's a reason why he was the one that was on a roster yeah. and the other two were acquired via free agency. There's a reason that he was a $50 million man last summer. I think that's a good call by you. 
am I correct in my assessment that the one of those three that they need the most from is Trey Turner? Is that a, is that a no-brainer? Right now, because we know with T.J. Watt, we're expecting him to be back. If that situation changes in any situ or any standpoint these next two and a half weeks, good point. Then we're starting to look at Melvin a lot more like, hey man, you got to be the man. Yeah, you, <laughs> your, your 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 value just increased drastically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how I look at it. But um, if everything works out and TJ is going to be out there week one like we're anticipating him, and Alex Highsmith is healthy like he has been, no questions right there. Then absolutely it goes to Trey because you have to protect them in terms of the running back Najee Harris and more sure. importantly in terms of Ben. This offense is uh more than capable of getting the job done but the biggest question mark right now is the front five because we haven't seen all five together of the projected starters we don't know what they're going to look like how long it's going to take those guys to mesh in jail or if the projected five is the final five so that's something that I, I really need to see from those guys so with that trade does stay to be the most you know guy that we're going to need the most from right now but that's only if <laughs> Everything stays as it's supposed to be on defense right now. If uh, if we get 17 games healthy yeah. out of one T.J. Watt, I think that's a good call by you. Fair to say that Melvin Ingram is the one that has um, the potential to stand out the most just because of the position that he plays. He can force turnovers. He can get after the quarterback. Is that fair, or do you think, like we've discussed, Joe Schobert, he's, he's got some splash to his game himself. Um which of those two guys has the potential to stand out the most, to pop the most, to create the most, you know, highlight-worthy plays that the oh, fan yeah. base, uh, you know, eats up on social media? Yeah, for me, man, I think it's going to be Joe. Um, I understand Melvin plays the quote-unquote more glamorous position as an edge rusher, and typically edge rushers that play a lot, yeah, you're going to create that splash. But we know if TJ is back, TJ's not coming off that field like that. No, we he's going to play 95 right. We know Alex snaps. Highsmith. This is going to be his first opportunity to be the opening day starter. That guy's not coming off the field as, as much either. So Melvin's opportunities might be limited and depending on the rotation of when Alex and when TJ want to sub out. If they only subbing out on first and second downs, well, that doesn't give Melvin as much opportunity for that splash. Whereas a guy like Joe, Joe's going to be in the action on all three downs. We've already heard him say he's the green dot guy. He's working at the dime backer. He's working as the Mac backer. All of those things point in the direction of a guy that's not going to be coming off the field. So he's going to be allotted more opportunities. Sure. Think about this, right? On play action pass, sometimes it's hard for that DN, that outside linebacker, who the fake is to to become a factor in that play. Whereas Joe, Joe, all you're going to do is put a foot in the ground and you're going to look up that crosser coming around. And if that quarterback doesn't see you, I mean, we've seen him make this play already. We saw him <laughs> make already it, uh, seen what, him make twice this play. against Ben Roethlisberger right here two years ago. <laughs> but that's the thing. So with Joe, he's going to have those opportunities as well and not even counting for just your basic third down plays. Your basic, okay, we're going to run an exotic pressure here where now we're scheming up uh, Eternal. We're scheming up him not being able to see you, Joe. Those are the reasons why I think that for Joe, man, he's going to have ample opportunity to really make those splash plays and stand out. And he's a guy that's proven to do that. I mean, Absolutely. recently, just a year We've ago, he did that. The numbers. Yeah. yeah. Seven interceptions in his last two seasons, four forced fumbles. I mean, that's that's tangible splash right, right there. Whereas we know with Melvin, Melvin was, is a good player, but last year he can't off injuries. Last year his productivity was, was down. Now, we know the story behind why it was, but at the end of the day, it still was down. And the similar thing can be said about Trey Turner. With Joe Schobert, that's not the case. His arrow is continually pointing up. 
whereas those other guys were trying to hope that it turns around and points up. So with Joe, man, I, yeah, he, he's definitely – I feel like he's definitely going to have those opportunities, and I do think he's going to capitalize on them as well because that's the other part of it. We always talk – we joke on Joe, right? We say Joe. Joe, man, would be first-team <laughs> all-pro every year if he just caught the picks. It's true. Right? He, he, oh, he has five interceptions. Well, he dropped another four. Like, that's Joe. But Schober, Joe Schober, <laughs> he capitalizes on those he opportunities. Does. You he don't does. see him miss a lot of no. – you know, if his hand's on a football, he's usually leaving with that thing, he's man, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, no, he, he absolutely is, and and that's good for this defense. Not that they don't have guys like that. We know Minka Fitzpatrick is like that, um, but I, I think it's one of those things you can never have enough guys on your defense with productivity, right? And I, and I don't mean productivity in terms of tackles. That is important. We all know that, but I'm talking turnovers. I'm talking sacks. I'm talking splash plays, interceptions, forced fumbles, tackles for loss. And, I mean, again, you, you watch Joe Schobert, you can do it either way. You can cut on the highlight tape and watch it, or you can just Google his name and look at the stat line, <laughs> and, it, and it's, it's tangible. It's right there in front of you. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, our number one here of the Steelers Blitz on an overcast Tuesday, but we're not complaining because it's nice and cool out here at Heinz Field. We are located in the south end zone right below the Jumbotron. It's a Tuesday here, so if you just joined us, you're probably like, wait a second, why is Wes sitting in the captain's chair? This is supposed to be Moats Host Tuesday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, I had to hold things down here while Motsi was doing some, some fan experience things, but we're going to take a break here. When we come back on the other side, uh, it'll be the body sitting in the captain's hey, chair. Hey, so, hey, So don't you worry and don't you go anywhere. You're listening to the Steelers Blitz live at Heinz Field. It's training camp 2021 coverage on SNR. Oh, yeah, we're back in the saddle on a Tuesday right here in beautiful Hans Field on a Moat Host Tuesday. Shout out to my amazing colleague, my partner in crime, Mr. Wesley Euler with the good hair, holding down Woo. the fort while I did some of those uh, prom king things hey, around you. here, man. I got you, partner. That's good teamwork, though, man. That's, that, hey, teamwork. That's, the, that's the give and take of any relationship, right? A, 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 a professional working relationship as well. Yes, indeed, man. So, <laughs> like that, well, with that being the case, as we're here on SNR, Man, I got to catch up with you first, though, baby. I haven't seen you in forever. I'm glad you are here dubbed out in your West Virginia new attire. I know you said that's a part of the Big Boys Donation Club right there. You. So shout out to I you, mister. You. <laughs> How was everything down there in the fan experience era, area? The fans all jacked up, ready to go. Everyone getting excited for the regular season? All the fans were nice. I even tried to convert a Patriots fan. There's a Patriots fan here? There is a Patriots fan among us. They let him in? Uh, or, or her in, I should it, say? It, it's, a young lady. it's a young lady. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. So I'll paint the scene for you. I'm over here and I'm talking, right? And we're in the Great Hall. And it's a beautiful spot right next to the Steelers Pro Shop. You know the Steelers Pro Shop we're always talking about here. Mm -hmm. That's and where it, you get all your authentic memorabilia, absolutely. the team merchandise, your terrible towels. Multiple locations, too. They got them, what is it, uh, Grove City, Tanger Outlets That's as right. well. That's right. But, you know, we're with the big boy down here at Hinesville, right? So I'm in here. I'm doing my Q&A with the fans. And I see an older gentleman. He's like a father. He's like, hey, man, I drove 10 hours to come see you. I'm like, yeah, bro, I appreciate you. He has his daughter. Daughter decked out. Or no, granddaughter, excuse me. Granddaughter's decked out black and gold jersey on. I think she had the big bin on. I'm like, okay, had her arm painted up. I'm like, yo, I like this. Okay, All right. here we go, Steelers. Then it's another person in the party with him. And now I'm assuming this is his daughter because this would have been the young lady's mom. Sure, okay. I see what but you're they doing. All, you're, you're deducing yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. But they all live in the Boston area. Oh, I'm sorry And she proceeds that. to turn around 
And the one sign that she she has two two signs on her hands, right? Okay. So the one sign says, go steal. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all love. This is what we expect. Mm-hmm. She pulls back the sign that was hidden. Says, I've traveled all the way here from Pat's Nation. And she proceeds to tell me, you know, she's here for the Patriots. And I said, oh, listen, lady, listen, lady. We, I, I try to be nice. I try to be nice. But you can't come to Heinz Field hollering this Patriots nonsense. Y'all not even patriotic. <laughs> let, 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 let no one be a patriot. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I'm, you know what? You know? I, listen, I, I, you and I, it's funny. We talked about this on Sunday. We talked about fan behavior at yeah, sporting events yeah. on Sunday. I don't condone any violence, all right? But you know what? If she's holding up a Go Patriots sign you know? here, I mean, uh, I might just be asking for that to be grabbed and ripped in half. I'm just saying. Listen, I'm just man. Saying. For, for a split second, I started to call up my, my friends Bubba Ray and Devon and tell them to get the tables. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Patriots fan. Get the tables. You had to get McAfee to do ringside commentary. Hey, oh, for you know, you. we was going to have a whole little scene with it, man. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, you know, we have seen, like, we saw some people wearing Dolphins jerseys here at one point. Hey, whatever. But bringing a sign, that's a little different. Yeah, that yes. might be, you can wear whatever you want. I mean, hey. There's some, you know, some of the security guards and stuff here. They give me beef when I wear WVU stuff. <laughs> so you can wear whatever you want. But a sign, that might be taken a little too far. I agree 100%. But speaking of signs, we do have a clear sign right now in terms of left tackle. A gentleman that was out of the lineup is returning to the lineup. He is. And will be running back with the ones. Can't wait. Gentleman by the name of Chooks Okorafor. Yes, indeed, man. So this situation I'm excited about for multiple reasons. It's just so many layers that go into this as it pertains to Chooks and as it pertains to Dan and even more so how it pertains to Banner. I mean, this thing is so yeah, multifaceted, man. But for me, just starting off, Chooks back in the lineup, back at left tackle. We know in that Eagles game it wasn't his best performance. We also know Dan Moore played really well. He did. But we also know the factors. Chooks was out there with the ones. Dan was out there with the twos. Chooks was out there with, I believe it was at left guard. Oh, man. It, was that Rashad? That was, it was Rashad, Rashad Coward. Rashad Coward, whereas Dan Moore had, had uh, Kevin Dotson. Yes. So we understand, like, those variables definitely played a, per, uh, played a point in this. But I like the fact that Coach Thomas is going back to Chooks right here. And this is the biggest thing. When we're talking about adversity, we know he's going to face adversity come season time. Anybody that's going to be starting at left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season will have adversity. I want to see, can you handle it now, though? Can, we, can, can you perform right now when you know you just had a bad performance, when you know the guy behind you had a really good performance, and all you know, normal signs would say that, hey, you should make that switch. We're going back to you. I want to see, can you redeem yourself? Because that's a different sure, sense of pressure. Sure, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one thing when you have the job and they just lose it after one performance. You got that bitter taste in your mouth. You hate it. Mm-hmm. But you're like, hey, you know what? I'll respond. I'll, I'll get back. Sure. Or you're going to go into the tank, right, one or the other. But when a team says, even though we should do this, I still believe in you. I still want to I, – I think you could be that guy. I love it because it's a vote of confidence for Chooks. Mm-hmm. And that as a player, you love that. You need that feeling that, man, even yes. if I had a bad game, even if I had a couple of bad plays, they're not going to just turn the door on me. They're not going to just write me off. They believe in me as exactly. the starting left tackle of this exactly. team. Exactly. Yeah. Because if your leash is that short where you have one bad half of a preseason game and they're willing to make that switch, well, they truly don't believe in you. I, you know what? I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. Like, I think you hear this about basketball coaches sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
if the first time your point guard makes a turnover, you're going to yank him out of the game every time, he's never going to learn. And he's never going to loosen up. There, there is a fine difference between taking a guy out or losing your starting role to teach somebody a lesson and letting some of these guys learn on the job, the good, the bads, letting, you know, sticking with them through the highs and the lows and what can be a roller coaster for, for younger athletes who are trying to break into a league at whatever level it may be. Sometimes y you see that. You know, a guy, like I said, turns the ball over one time, he's on the bench for the next 12 minutes, and it's like, okay, you probably just shattered his confidence. Mm -hmm. there, there's a fine line between sitting them down to teach them a lesson a lesson and hindering their development at the same time. Like, that is a really fine line there. I, I think it's clear cut. You're right, Motsi, and we have discussed this, the improvement from Dan Moore Jr. Since training camp opened at the end of the July, it's been noticeable, it's been night and day. The young man has been impressive. He was, I thought, much better in his second preseason game than he was in his first one. He's been much better every week since that first week of practice when, like you and I discussed, he was a little bit of a turnstile for Alex Highsmith and for Melvin Ingram. He, we, you and I cannot say enough good things about what that young, young man has shown to this point. But at the same time, Chooks Chooks has to be the guy. I mean, health considered, right? Like Chooks is the guy who's been a regular starter in the NFL before. He is a guy who's been part of this offense, and we know new offensive coordinator and all those things, but has been part of this offense now for a few years. I, I all respect to Dan Moore. It's good that you have that guy now. It, it kind of works both ways in this equation, right? Now you got Dan Moore chomping at the bit like, all right, I want to you know, make sure I stay in this conversation. Um, but I think at the same time, it is a vote of confidence for Chooks as well. And I agree with everything you said, but you know I'm always going to have an issue when y'all keep saying that Chooks is a returning starter. He is not a returning starter at left tackle, man. You're right. He's not. He's not. You're right. And we all know it is a big difference. It is. He's between playing right tackle right. and left tackle. That's my started, only thing. He has started games in the yeah. National Football League True. as opposed to, and it would be one thing, right, if Dan Moore was a, a first-round pick. Yeah. Maybe a top 50 pick in the second round. Well, you better, you better not listen to Coach Tom. You know, he speak very highly of those uh, SEC West reps. I know. Yeah, <laughs> Did you I know. hear my friend? Yeah, what was the, the example that he used? Like, uh, something. He, he said he the agent dog years. The agent dog years. That was it. Yes. I was like, wow. That's, the SEC West like that, Coach? Wow. He said those SEC offensive linemen, they agent dog years. Hey, hey, Coach, Coach Tom, if you hear me steal that one at some point over the season, all right, mind your own business. Um. It's it's a it's a good conversation to be yeah. having that like hey the guy that's been solidified in that position he was a little banged up the number two guy has stepped in he's shown a lot of improvement we really like what we're seeing from him do we go back to Chooks do we stick with Dan Moore do we have it be a true competition like those are relatively those are the yeah. type of problems you want to have out here at training camp those are the type of competitions you want to have out here at training camp and I will say that too Motsi I, I kind of said this at the at the start of the hour like we did not expect. Like, unexpected competition in camp mm -hmm. is always a good thing, too. Absolutely. We come in here and we think, all right, th in the secondary, who's going to be the nickel guy? Who's going to play on the outside? There's real competition to be had there. I don't think you and I were thinking when we were sitting here on the first day of camp, oh, Dan Moore's going to make this interesting with the left tackle yeah. position. Like, we thought it was nailed on Chooks' job. Um, these, are, these are good issues. These are good problems to arise. It is, but it's all about how you paint it because we could paint this as a negative as well because Chooks has allowed it to become a competition. When we think about <clears throat> a guy like, for example, let's see, from a wide no, – no, 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 wide receivers, right? Mm -hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster, we know exactly who he is. Is anybody really competing with him for that starting slot role? No. But now imagine if he came out here to camp in that first couple of practices, man. He, he looked a little rocky. And Enrico Bussy coming out here, and he's lighting it up. Competition is good, 
But at the same time, how we came about, it was because of this guy that was supposed to be the starter opening that door. And that was always my biggest concern with Chooks. I understand he started 16 games, but it wasn't at left tackle. So how does he perform? And right now, do we really feel like he's done enough to win a job? Just based on what we've seen? No. Because we can't say that he's outplayed Dan Moore. We, I don't think any of us could say that, especially in stadium. I would agree. But yet we're saying right here that, man, we're going to – I mean, not we're saying this. This is what the coaches are deciding sure, to do right sure, now. Sure. They're going and basically saying, that, yeah, man, we're going to go back to Chooks. Mm-hmm. Now, we highlighted it positively because we do feel like the belief, that part is huge, and as a player, you need that. But when we're looking at it broadly, right, and just from a top-down perspective, I'm not all the way sold that Chooks was the guy that win that right that mm. to win that right out like that. Mm. And, I mean, that, technically, that, that's has fair, Chooks won a position battle in training camp just yet? Well, no, he has not. Because remember last year, Zach Banner won that position battle at mm-hmm. right tackle. Um, I, I wonder, though, like, do you think that that means it's solidified? You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't it think it's still, no, it no, I don't think it's solidified. I don't think way, it's solidified. Right? But what it does, it takes some of that pressure off of Chooks when you know now, hey, Chooks, Dan's not just competing for your job. Hey, Banner, hey, I know you're just coming back, right? And we got a question Joe <laughs> tweeted us about that, wondering if there was any right. chance – um, that Dan Moore could get some looks at right tackle. And we've, uh, we know he's going to get opportunities over there. Coach Tomlin even said that already. They've utilized him in some of those roles already. So, to me, I like the fact that they're saying to Dan, hey, we think you're good enough that you can compete for both spots. But when you're in the middle of a competition, imagine if me and you are competing right now, and I say, hey, Wes, I know you're great at this radio thing, but let me – I want you to go over and do the public address announcement. You can do that for this week, all right? Hey, hey, hey most, you good. You, you, this is your week to just do radio. That's not going to make you feel better in your competition, and that's not going to push me when I know, oh, man, he's going over there to the PA address. Man, you, hey, you're going on that side of the family today. That's kind of how – like when I think of them allowing Dan to get that opportunity sure, at right sure. tackle, that's kind of my perception with it. But for Dan, this is a great situation. For Dan, you take it in stride. You say, hey, man, if they're look, giving you more opportunity, yes, that's the a good more, thing. The more, the better. And eventually, you might have to play the long game. You might say to yourself, all right, maybe they have their mind set up, even if I don't agree with it, that these are their week one starters. Now, as we said, week one starters don't necessarily mean the end of the season starters. Absolutely not. We saw that play out last yeah, absolutely, year. Absolutely, for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. So if you're Dan Moore, if you get that sense that that's what this organization is trying to do, you take it in stride and you play the long game. And you just wait for your moment because it will come about. If you truly are the better of the tackles, and if you're Dan, you got to be feeling like you're up there. I would say well, so. I don't think you've seen anything, if you're Dan Moore, that make you feel like, hey, I can't be in the conversation with these guys. I don't belong with these guys. Yeah. Right. No, so absolutely So if you're Dan, not. you're telling yourself, okay, they get the first crack at it. All right. I'm, I'm upset about it, but I can understand it. I'm going to make sure I'm working every day. And when y'all call me, whether it's week six, whether it's week 10, whether it's week six, uh, 17, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to show you that I was the best tackle on this team this year. And if you're Dan, that's got to be your mindset. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely correct. You you have to be encouraged by the progress you've made, but still hungry to to continue to prove yeah. yourself and in taking on these opportunities. And it, it like I said, I, I did not – if you would have asked me of all the cra- – you know, back at the end of July, hey, Wes, there's going to be some crazy storylines that emerge out of camp. I would not have said that, oh, Dan Moore is really – uh, you know, has really thrown his hat into the ring to legitimately be in the conversation to start at the left tackle position for the Pittsburgh Steelers as a fourth-round rookie. I mean, that would Motsi, that would not have been one of the one yeah. of the uh, unexpected storylines that I would have, have predicted or even thought was possible 
Again, though, it's, I mean, a, tes we it's a testament to yeah. the young man and what we he's been able to do over these last few weeks. Because I feel like the both of us were more frustrated at the fact that they didn't invest in a higher pick to compete with Chooks. I don't think any of us were just completely sold that Chooks would be the guy at left tackle, but we were just asking for better competition. And it's cool that Dan has been able to emerge, but I think that was the biggest reason behind it. If it would have been a higher pedigree guy, we all would have been looking at Chooks like, no, dude, you're in a competition. Again, win it. But when True. you go with a fourth-round pick, it kind of made that perception feel a little bit different, and that's ultimately why we continue to have concerns about the O-line. Oh, we, we <laughs> certainly do. <laughs> because In fact, maybe more <laughs> concerns now than we, than we did at the start of camp. Because I laughed about it when we say to ourselves, right, man, competition is good. All these things are good. But it's like it wasn't supposed to be competition because, yeah, you wanted you this guy to be the clear-cut guy. Down in yeah, this role. it, it right. shouldn't be a debate. <laughs> right. There's no, there's no debate over who the number one cornerback right. is because it's Joe Hayden exactly. because he's the clear-cut guy. There's Same no can debate be said, a quarterback. over who the number one quarterback <laughs> yeah. is. There's no debate over who the number one edge rusher is. Who's because the number one safety on this team? Is there a debate on that? I don't think oh, so. Okay. <laughs> there's a debate on is, is the other guy good, and you and I both say right. yes, and a lot of people say no. Um, but you're right. It, it's – I tell you what, I think you can, depending on how you like to look at the glass, right, if you're a half full, if you're a half yeah. empty, if you're an optimist or a pessimist. Well, it depends on if, is it milk? Is it 2% skim milk or whole? Well, yeah, that would dictate my whole half or, you know, in between. I see you're <laughs> drinking 1%. Is that because you think you're fat? Is, I, is like, that almond? You could look at it optimistically and you could say, hey, it's a good thing. Now they got more, you know, more hats in the, in right. the ring. Dan Moore. Or you could look at it pessimistically and say, uh, we thought we were sure about this guy, and that's not really panning out, and that was maybe the one thing that we were comfortable with on the offensive line or at least set in stone. I guess it all just depends on how you how you view the world, Arthur Motes. But, no, the beauty is this, though, as well, right? Less about how we view it, less about us projecting or how we want to paint that picture for the people because we know that's what it's all about. Do you want to make it sound nice for them, or do you want to give it to them directly? <laughs> we don't like to give it to them directly. I understand that. But I do. Well, yeah, every, you know, case. I like to join in on that <laughs> as well. You know, I, I join the festivities. But in terms of that group, that old line, I just – when it comes to position groups where you want competition or where you might be okay with some concerns and question marks, I just don't feel like old line is one of those no, spots, it's not. man. Because as we've talked about so many times, it's it's like it's the one position group that really feels like the the sum can be greater Seriously, than the whole of man. its parts. If those five guys can have the chemistry, can be on the same page, can work together as almost like a singular unit, that goes a long way in the National Football League. It really does. And Motsi, Captain Obvious, but you can't develop that chemistry and that camaraderie uh, without having your five guys working together. And they've barely had that at all, you know, to this yeah. point. Now, I was going to ask if we have any concerns on that. But we already know we do got concerns yeah, on that. Yeah, I was going to say, so we <laughs> might have to save that for more so time. Yeah, we'll be good on that, man. No rush on that. But look, when we come back, man, I still want to talk about this a little bit more in terms of Dan Moore now going over to that right tackle mm -hmm. spot, what mm -hmm. that means for Zach Banner. It's Euler and Motes on SNR.